0: Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. My name is John Manuel. I'm joined by JJ Cooper. We're talking NL West top 10 prospects. We're talking a little Alex Rodriguez today. Thank you so much for the download. Let's just dive right in, JJ, and talk a little pod, uh, prospects here on the podcast. And we'll remind everyone we'll have a couple of email questions at podcast at baseballamerica.com. We'll read those in the show. Also want to remind everybody we're wrapping up our top 10s online. We're already done, but if you want to get the best prospect coverage, you can subscribe to Baseball America and also we would encourage you to order the Baseball America pros- Prospect Handbook 800-845-2726 JJ and Or baseballamerica.com. You, baseballamerica.com, great place to order it and I'll, And if you order directly from us, JJ, what do you get?
1: You get, you know, we've always done 900 scouting reports. Well, if you order from us, you get 930 because we give you a 31st prospect. You know, we do 30 in the book. We give you a supplement that's an extra prospect for every team, so you get 31 prospects for every team. So
0: We made everyone's top 30 one louder.
1: Right. As, if you're a Spinal Tap fan, we went to 11 this year. Exactly. We went to, we went or 31. to,
0: we went to 31 on every organization. So 930 scouting reports is almost too much goodness. But I think the, in the National League West, uh, J.J., there's some organizations where just getting to 30 was was rough. You didn't want to get to 30, and then you had to go to 31. I was like, oh, what are we going to do for this organization for 31, for this club? Uh, but for the for, for the Giants, I think, I don't think we had a hard time coming up with number 31 for the Giants. And I, I, although I don't think depth is their biggest strength. But I do think we both like the Giants' farm system as the best in this division. It's really crazy to say that they're not an organization known in the last 20 years anyway, for being homegrown. They're, they're
1: an organization, if you remember, a couple of years ago where they were intentionally would sign players before arbitration oh, yeah. Michael Tucker. began so that they could give up their first-round pick.
0: Absolutely, and they've all drafts for them to do that, it was the 2005 draft, not which is the best draft in the last five years, and they did not have a pick until the fourth round. So, and then Ben Copeland was their top draft from that year, and they just lost him in the Rule 5 draft this offseason.
1: But nowadays, the Giants have kind of turned things around they not only, I mean, they always have pitching prospects. Right. You can pretty much count on if they didn't, if they, you know, basically gave up their one, th- you know, rounds one through 50. They'd still they'd, run. Fill, yeah. they'd figure out a way to have pitching prospects.
0: They'd find some nice non drafted free agents. And so especially they'd find position players like John Coot and put them on the mound and they get to the big leagues or Jonathan Sanchez in the 27th round out of an NAIA so school.
1: They would figure out pitching prospects. But what's different about their list right now is, is they actually have hitters now. And yeah. They've, you know, Buster Posey is. The second best catching prospect, I think you know, in in the minors right now. Probably if he's not
0: second; he's third. I mean, you could, you could argue Santana if you wanted yeah. to, but yeah, he's right up there with with Matt Weeders, no doubt.
1: I mean, he's you know, well, Weeders would probably be you know at the part you know he'd be you know that he's at
0: the he's top the of the Acropolis. Everest. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's on the Acropolis of the city. Everybody else is on a is on the way on the slope down.
1: But uh, and then Angel Villalona, who is you know one of the better young. Uh, Power prospects in the game.
0: Absolutely. A guy who's 17 years old, goes to the South Atlantic League and slugs 435 and finishes with the flourish that he did. Uh, Very encouraging. And the Giants, you know, it's amazing. I think people of a different generation, J.J., and I was just reading some Bill James about this in, the, in his 1960s and his, his historical abstract. I mean, in the 60s, the Giants were just coming up with position player after position player. And I think they came up with Cepeda, they McCovey. Had too many at one point. Yeah, they had too many first basemen. That was exactly it. Cepeda, many, McCovey, you know. And there's a third one I'm leaving out. It might have been Bill White. I'm not sure. My 60s baseball knowledge is leaving me, but they had too many. They had too many hitters. They came up with all the loose, I think, at one time. I mean, they just had too many outfielders, too many hitters. And, of course, in the middle they had Willie Mays. Uh, you know, they had they, they signed Monte Irvin out of the Negro Leagues in the 50s. I mean, they, they had hitters out the yin-yang. Um, but the thing is, you think about it, they have not won a World Series since 1954. I mean, this is one of the longest droughts in baseball. Only guys I can think of that are longer is the Indians and, of course, the Cubs um, among established teams. But That's a pretty long drought. I mean, obviously, the, the Angels have never won, had never won one until 2002. They but beat they, the Giants. But they won they, one in you know, 2002. They, they, they talked about all their bad luck. I mean, the Giants, that showed up. The Angels had this pitiful history uh, beating the Giants. I mean, the Giants have not won since they moved to the state of California. Think about that. The San Francisco Giants have never won a World Series. I'm not sure if this group is what will lead them to the promised land. I but do think that when you have some of these young hitters and that they can cost control Linsicum and Kane and keep both those guys, there's a potential to do something special with that kind of power arms and, and this kind of power backs. And I
1: had this thought. I was seeing this weekend, you know, on MLB Network, you know, had while well, they were the doing their, pictures. their, 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 you know, their, you know, they had the crawl going on as they were doing their wall to wall A rod coverage, which we'll get to later. But, sure. But, and it mean you know, the the Giants have, you know, made an offer to Joe Creedy. And the thing that hit me was last year, the Giants went through a lot of pain because they basically said, okay, we're going to rip the scab off the Barry Bonds era That's and, right. and move on. You know, the band aid off, I should, you know, is what I meant to say. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 feel, I followed you, you know, but, And so, I mean, they put guys in the big leagues who most of them had no. They had a lot of guys who had no business being in the big leagues. Right. Right. But they also. But they also found some guys who were, you know, okay. Hey, this guy, you know, survived that. Right. Hey, John
0: Bowker has some utility.
1: Pablo Sandoval's made it up very quickly, and man, he hit just as well the big leagues as he did in High A. You know that that kind of thing. Well, you combine that with. A farm system that's, you know, developing better talent now, especially hitters, than it was for years. And you throw into it that really the economics of the game this year are setting up nicely for them in that, whereas last year they said, okay, well, we can't afford to go out and get, you know, a shortstop. We can't afford, right. you know, to get, you know, to get a guy up bat for the middle of the order. If they want to right now, they can kind of go out there and go, hey, you know. Prices are coming down. We can get a Joe Creedy hopefully cheap. You know, we can, you know We can get solid big leaguers. net. We don't have to lock in for five years or anything.
0: And look, we know that Edgar Renteria isn't the player he used to be. We know that Joe Creedy isn't the player he used to be. But if you're the Giants, you'd feel a lot better going into the season with Renteria – and Creedy than he did last year with Jose Castillo, Pirates cast off at third base, or Rich Aurelia passes prime at third base, and Brian Bacock and Emmanuel Burris at shortstop, where Manny Burris needs to play second base, and Brian Bacock was jumping from high A to the big leagues, and his bat was never his best tool anyway. So they're in a much better situation, and we all know that Brian Sabian likes his proven veterans as well. I think it's admirable for Brian Sabian to take a guy like a Dick Tidrow who had so much success there in a long run – running their scouting and player development, had so much success developing pitchers, but promote him, vice president of player personnel, so he's doing a lot more big league stuff, and to bring in a guy who's universally respected in the industry, in John Barr, to run their scouting department, of to bring in a minor league veteran like Fred Chicken Stanley to run their farm department. Um, I, I think it's a, they've made good moves. They are still they still have their identity as an organization, but they're rebuilding at the minor league level uh, you know, the one thing that you really look at and say, boy, if they hadn't signed Barry Zito two years ago, how my, what would they have done with that money? They'd probably uh, bring CeCe Zabathia home uh, for about the same money. Or,
1: or you know, there have been talking or about Manny Ramirez. Ramirez.
0: Absolutely. Um, so they, they, they've, they've, they've developed some guys. A like Fred Lewis has come to the big leagues and showed that he could do it last year. I think things are – they've lost 90 games last year, but I think they're on the upswing in San Francisco. Right. There's a
1: reason if you're a Giants fan to go, okay – We're headed back in the right direction. Right.
0: Now you've got uh, the, the Rockies. To me, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks are the two most fascinating organizations in that. Which is the real team, the ones that used young players to catapult themselves to the playoffs in 2007 with Arizona winning the division, Colorado going on an amazing finishing kick, winning the wild card, the pennant, and then losing in the World Series to the Red Sox or the 2008 versions of those two teams where they both really both fell back. And I think mean, you have to have some significant questions about those young players, a like Franklin Morales or a Chris Young or a uh, Mark Reynolds or some of the guys who really jumped up in 07. Uh, which of those teams do you think is better positioned, both either short-term or let's, I guess, focus on the top ten long-term, JJ? Which of those two teams you think is in better shape uh, minor league system-wise?
1: Minor league system-wise, I'd say the Rockies. I think so, too. You know, I, I'd still, if you said... Big league wise, you know, throw it all together. I kind of think that the Diamondbacks still are more likely, you know, kind of positioned to. I mean, to kind of contend over the next couple of years. I I think the Rockies, you know, the Matt Holiday trade is in some ways kind of an acknowledgement of okay, we are we we don't think that we are right there at the edge.
0: And Jeff Francis, I mean, he was their ace in two thousand seven. He's having shoulder surgery. It looks like now. Um, And the Diamondbacks have got Heron and they've got Webb. And to me Webb is such a stud and Heron's the perfect number two starter. That's that's a big edge. And plus they have Justin Upton. I I you know, so I agree with you. At the big league level, I think Arizona is a little bit better positioned on the farm. I think we're both agreeing Colorado's in better right. shape. And,
1: and and really part of that comes down to, you know, top three for the Rockies. Dexter Fowler, Jehulis Jasin, and Christian Frederick.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: That's a that's a three that I would, you know, you compare that to the Diamondbacks, you know, since we're you know, Jared yeah. Parker Gerardo Para, Para and uh, Daniel Schloreth.
0: And then you go to four, Mark Hallberg. Hey, I like Mark Mark Hallberg. You know, Illinois, Chicago, and Florida State represent, but wow. Mark Hallberg, four. That's I mean, I think, best case scenario, he's probably a solid second baseman on a championship team. More likely, he's a utility guy on a championship team, and that's your number four guy. And whereas, you know, you're talking about uh, Rosario and a toolsy catcher. Hector Gomez has all kinds of tools. And my sleeper, I guess, in the Rocky system is really the number seven prospect, Esmil Rogers. I've heard some great reports on him, on him out of the California League. I'm pretty sure he's a conversion guy, but a guy who's athletic. Yeah. He's got some real arm strength. He's starting to learn some pitchability. Uh He's a guy I think who could really come quick next year. Uh,
1: they get If you're comparing these two, again, kind of one of the ways to put it is, is okay, Casey Weathers, six, Esmil Rogers, seven. Those are two guys who, I mean, you know, Weathers had some injury issues. Right, but, know, Tommy John at the end of the year. But. Those two guys, long term, compare them to number three, Daniel Schloreth. Yeah, you know Casey Weather's, Daniel Schloreth are both similar. You know, I mean, you know, Shloreth,
0: was signed as a fourth year junior. He's had arm problems himself. I mean, uh, I mean he's no, he's he's a, he is very similar to Casey Weather's in terms of the profile, no doubt.
1: So that, that's where I think that the the Rockies stand out. You know, I know you're a big Dexter Fowler fan. I do. I'm like a big Chasem fan. I mean, he was a guy. If you want to talk about guys who probably did more to yeah emerged on the scene last year I he's mean, one, one of the top to guys yeah. no
0: doubt no there's no doubt about it and, the, and you know uh tracy regals but he wrote up our uh, rockies top 30 uh i edited it and when he first sent it in i remember thinking the guy even his guys that were in this 15 to 20 range there was upside in that system uh and i i thought that the last couple of drafts both these teams draft college heavy there's no doubt about that bill schmidt and the rockies draft a lot more college heavy than you'd think but I think that the better Latin American program in Colorado is what gives them a leg up on uh, what they're doing in Arizona. And then you have the Dodgers, JJ, who have right. been the best farm system in this division for several years. Uh, they're a little down right now, but I guess there's a good reason for their system being down. Well, they
1: last year they promoted a lot of guys again. I mean, yep. they've really they've promoted a number of guys in the last couple of years. Absolutely. And on to that, then they also made you know trades last year that really, I mean, if you they do have if Ned if you, Coletti in charge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. If you didn't make some of those trades, I mean, if you didn't decide that maybe we don't need Casey Blake, right? You know, maybe we could, you know, maybe we can win this division without Casey Blake, right? Okay, we'll give you back Carlos Santana. Well, there's your number one. Prospect. That's your number one prospect, absolutely. So it's funny, like you talk about that Pirates trade. Pirates. You know, they they traded you know away a number of guys, but sure. you really look at that and you go, I mean, okay, guy, Brian they Morris. Got Ramirez, they, back. they got you know
0: that was that three team deal with Boston Yeah, Pittsburgh. I mean,
1: the, and the, you trade away LaRoche and Morris. That almost looks a little less painful right now than trading away Santana for Casey Blake.
0: It does. And not only so you you gave up, they really gave up more for a couple months of Casey Blake. And now they've gone out in the offseason and re-signed for a call, re-signed Blake, kind of keeping the band together in a way. But it really won't matter if they don't bring back Manny Ramirez. I do think it's amazing that the Dodgers, their core is the homegrown core, with the exception of a great trade they made with Oakland for Andre Ethier. Uh, but Loney... Russell Martin until they beat Russell Martin to the ground, <laughs> catching him 145 games I'm a not year. Dead yet. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and Chad Billingsley, if he can come back from his offseason uh, bone break, and they don't, they don't keep Takashi Saito. So now Jonathan Broxton should ascend to that closer role. that they're going to go homegrown again there with Corey Wade, maybe Ramon Troncoso in that middle relief, but also James McDonald, who I think we've seen as a pitchability guy with uh, good secondary stuff. Then he comes out of the bullpen in the postseason. He's blowing mid-90s, and now the Dodgers, they're they're grooming him to be their top setup man.
1: And, again, this is
0: one of those arguments of
1: why people always, you know, we get a lot of questions in chats when we do them. It's like, well, why don't you have this brand X reliever rated higher? Right, right. And James McDonald is the example of why not because if you've got, I mean, James McDonald as a starter is a middle-of-the-rotation, Guy, as you put, a pitchability guy who knows how to pitch.
0: Absolutely, he's athletic. There, there could be more upside of that fastball. Right, but but the, you know the starter, you know
1: you're talking the fastball. It's average. It's yeah. you know, it's just
0: not his best pitch as a fastball. Right. I mean, as a starter,
1: you put him in the pen, yeah, and all of a sudden, different the, animal. The fastball goes up a tick, and all of a sudden, you're like, hey, you compare that guy to you know relievers who are pitching the minors. Right. I'm not, comparing, pretty
0: well. I'm not comparing him to Phil Coke necessarily, but with the, the Yankees top 30, I had a similar guy in Phil Coke, who's older, but was a solid starter. Guys liked him in the Eastern League this year. Yeah, he was older, but you know sometimes left-handers take a little bit longer to figure it out. He was a junior college guy who, who started to figure things out. You put him in the bullpen, he's blowing 96-97 from the left side. Now you got a difference maker. And that's what James McDonald is, and that's the thing. James McDonald's two, and he could have been one. If you believe in de DeJesus as a shortstop, he could have been one, but I don't think the Dodgers do believe in Yvonne DeJesus as a shortstop or else they wouldn't have re-signed Rafael for a call for as much as they gave him. The thing that
1: jumps up about, uh, about this Dodgers list, the thing that will make this or break it over the long term is, is okay, Ethan Martin, number three. Right. Who really, I mean, if you're talking about, we were just talking about, you know, pitchers who emerged, Chassin emerged in the minors. Martin's the guy who emerged in, in the, the draft. draft class,
0: no doubt, I mean he going did on into the one year. night on where mat, our Matt blood was there in March when uh he pitched great against American heritage. He was a third baseman coming into that game, a third baseman slash pitcher, he came out of that game as a pitcher slash third baseman
1: and so you've got him, and then also number five Scott Albert, who pre injury would have been number one on this list
0: he was number one in the Saturday League one year, and everything you hear about him is the delivery's violent, but the stuff is starter caliber stuff. If he comes back healthy, he's going to be, I think, as effective as a reliever as James McDonald, if not more, because he's a power guy from the left side.
1: Those two guys, if they turn out to be what the Dodgers think they will be, you know, or what they hope they will be, then that list could end up being, you know, number two out of this group. Yeah. But it's too far away to say that right now. I mean, it's like...
0: Their top six is very interesting for me, because I like Josh Lindblom uh, quite a bit. He's got a big-time arm. Um, I like Ethan Martin. I like McDonald and Elbert, but uh you know and andrew lambo uh who probably would be our five hole hitter on our greek uh, world baseball classic team after mustakas and markakis well M- markakis and mustakas but you know lambo's uh, it's short for i forget what it is short for but he 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 counts he uh, world baseball classic rules are pretty pretty flimsy if the Hairston brothers can play for mexico I think Andrew Lambeau can play for Greece. But of course, there is no Greek World Baseball Classic team.
1: That's the only way I can I Much to the really, chagrin
0: of John Manuel. I wish they'd let me uh, try to organize one. I, I, I would have pitched some of these players on it. Lambeau could have pitched for us, too. It was a fine thumbing lefty in high school if the Dodgers yeah, had the led Dodgers,
1: us. Yeah, the Dodgers. Oh, go ahead. Hey, throw the, best, them.
0: the three best pitchers would have been Moustakis, Markakis, and Lambeau. Uh, that's the problem with the Greek yeah, team I I, think, after George Kantos. We've got to give George Short his, uh, his props, too. And I
1: don't think there's any debate if we're saying, okay, so w- who's bringing up the rear? Yeah. In the uh, in the NLS
0: this year. San Diego, drink it in. I think San Diego is clearly the, the Padres. Uh, it, and, and this is appropriate to talk about this week, at J.J. also, in the week in which they uh, designate uh, Matt Memphis. Bush for assignment, the number one overall prospect, uh, pick in the 2004 draft. And yeah, this is a guy, <clears throat> excuse me, that 04 draft was pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. But they got about the, really, if you look at the whole first round, He's in the bottom three of worst picks in the entire first round. Not to mention being the worst number one pick well, overall three, who ever. Would, who would be? It was there Matt with Campbell and Kyle Waldrop are the only other two guys who haven't had any. Who really haven't given their club any value? When I looked at it. To me, if a guy at least even got the double A, he became something of a tradable commodity for his club. And those three guys never even got to jump to double A. They've all had injury issues. Waldrop still might. He's coming off Tommy John surgery. Matt Campbell's done. He was released by the, by the uh, Royals. But those guys were picked, if I remember correctly, 25th and 29th overall and did not get $3.15 million. Maybe if you put their bonuses together, they got $3.15 million. But talk about misallocation of resources. That's the Matt Bush pick, and that's you know, the Padres, frankly, have not drafted well at the top of the draft for yes. Years. I mean to give oh, it's a the, brutal list. to
1: give you the idea, Khalil Green, two thousand two. Okay. So that one That's the best career. That's the best. Okay. 1999, Vince Faison, 2000, Mark Phillips, 2001, Jake Gotro, who's back in the affiliate minors after uh, a year in indie ball. That's right. Khalil Green, 2002, Tim Stoffer, 2003. Ow, Matt my shoulder. Bush, 2004, Cesar Carrillo, 2005, Matt Antonelli, 2006, Nick Schmidt, 2007, and Alan Dykstra, 2008.
0: I believe you both out a word there in, in Matt, describing Matt Bush. He's, I'm Matt bleeping Bush. Yes. That, Matt expletive Bush and expletive whatever high school. What a pitiful story that was. But. One
1: of the things that jumps out about this is, man, the number of guys who got hurt out of this group. Oh, yeah.
0: And it's all the pitchers have gotten hurt. I mean, you, you, uh, you got to throw Matt John, Bush in there. Matt Bush had a TV. Tommy John for Bush. Tommy John for Schmidt. Tommy John for Carrillo. And then in 2003, Tim Stauffer threw his shoulder out of Sunken Diamond the weekend before he was drafted and signed for $750,000. So, and, and you got to go then Alan Dykstra, who— Comes in with a, uh, what is A vascular necrosis, uh, basically Bo Jackson disease, if you wanted to call it something. If you were going to name after somebody, you'd name it after Bo Jackson, a degenerative hip condition. And, uh, you know, that wasn't disclosed prior to the draft. But if any team should have known it, it would be the Padres, seeing as how he injured it, playing high school basketball in San Diego. I mean, And
1: I'll give them that they maybe, you know, no one else knew about it either. They should have known about it. But... The other They're, thing that our
0: beat writer for them, John Maffey, knew it. So okay, that is a yeah, that's a <laughs> – That big. tells y'all you need to know. John knew it. They didn't know it.
1: But the thing that really jumped out also that it seems like the Padres are still recovering from is is they had a couple years there where they really emphasized pitchability.
0: Correct. That's that is Grady Fuson's M O. Uh, he likes guys who hit the mitt. He likes good change ups. If you remember the guy that he really staked his reputation on when he got when he left Oakland and went to Texas, it was Mario Ramos, uh <laughs> a guy with a below average fastball, but good command and a changeup. Well, when he got to the big leagues, he got knocked around a little bit, he got timid. All of a sudden you don't really have good command when you don't want to, when you're afraid to throw strikes. So um that is their MO and that's how you get Wade Lablanc, that's how you get Josh Gere. And that's what they have. They don't really have power arms outside of Matt Latos. One thing I will say for the Padres, I and I criticize their draft and re, their draft track record. I actually like their 2008 draft, and that's including Dykstra, who I think was an overdraft where they got him, but he does have legitimate power. He can hit. He does control the strike zone. I'm not sure he's valued, but I like Jeff Decker. I like him a lot. I like James Darnell where they got him. That's an athletic, either third baseman or maybe future right fielder, guy with real power. Uh, I like their draft in 2008. But they, at the top of the draft, they have spent a lot of money and not gotten a lot of return consistently this entire decade.
1: The other thing I'll say for this Padres list is, is that you know, if you want to, okay, for 20 seconds here, Padres fans, put on your rose-colored glasses. Here. Yeah, that's what I just did. I'm gonna, like gonna Jeff Decker. I'll, I'll go with there too. I mean, Ben Antonelli, as bad as he was last year. You know, okay, maybe that was just a year that everything fell apart.
0: Yeah, it sounds like he got too big, bulked up too much, lost bat speed, lost quickness. So maybe he can get it back.
1: Maybe he can get it back. Okay, Cedric Hunter, Will Venable, they're not going to be impact guys. But, you know, in a—
0: I've talked to guys who like
1: Will Venable as a solid average regular. Right. So there are—this is not a list. I mean, we were talking about the Astros recently. I look at these two lists. Yeah, this is not the Astros list. Astros
0: are worlds behind these guys. This I, is I not don't an disagree. Astros list.
1: Like Jeff Decker is number three on this list.
0: He's at least number two in the Astros list. I like him better than Bud Norris. I'm with you.
1: You know, uh, Jeff Decker could be. I mean, the guy can hit. What's yeah. the most important tool that you can have as a position player?
0: He can hit, and he you know hit. he can throw. He was 93 miles an hour right. off the off the mound, according to his personal pitching coach, Steve Ontiveros. I believe it's ERAKing.com, dot com. I believe is the Steve's uh, website, but also uh, Randy Smith, their international scouting director in the Padres, very aggressive internationally the last couple of years. Guys like Ades Portiro and uh, uh, Luis Domo Romo. I have to throw that name in because I really like his name. There are others whose names I'm not recalling, but they have been very aggressive. On the Latin American front, I think that will. I do think they've they've bottomed out. I think at 29, they had a good the, OA draft and and a good signing period internationally. They brought a lot of talent in in 2008. We have got to see it perform a little bit, but I think they're on the way up. Uh, I think this will be as low as you see them go. So,
1: so before we go to the mailbag, which, let's let's get the the A Rod portion okay. of the uh, okay. Okay. I was
0: uh, the, I was in a mailbag to transition to A Rod. Okay, let's, let, let's, let's do that because it's, it's one last prospect question. we without an ad, as usual. So That's we're, right. We're, but, uh, pre-planning is, you know, for it's other a, people. But it's a question for you um, from Clint Skulls, who is a uh, Royals fan, loves the, pos- the, the podcast on the top 30s from B.A. Two quick prospects in the, the in the Royals organization that didn't make the list. Uh, first, Jeff Bianchi, could he still develop? Uh, could, what could explain his ridiculous home road splits? And then John Flanagan, what are your thoughts on this lefty? I forgot to ask you in the pre-show about John Flanagan. Uh, but let's, well, uh, let, let's, let's focus first on Jeff Bianchi. Let's start
1: with Bianchi. With Bianchi, what it really came down to was, you know, they had a a group of middle infielders that have really just not developed that well. I mean, The
0: Kyle Mertens yeah, and the you know, Jeff Bianchis.
1: You know, that are kind of, you know, if you look at it right now, you you still, you it's know. It's Kurt Mertens, I believe. Kurt Mertens, yeah, not Kurt, Kurt Mertens. You, know, you were thinking of Kyle Martin, who. Festival. Yeah,
0: that's right, that's right.
1: You know, but if you're looking at it, what it came down to is, is okay, so when you're going to rank guys, you know, Bianchi was in that group, you know, to be considered for the top 30. But when it came down to it, it's like, okay, do you go with a guy like Bianchi who really has, you know, he's a second baseman and his bat has not developed to what it needs to be for a second baseman. That's really, the
0: biggest problem. He's already moved down the defensive spectrum from shortstop right. to second base. That's a big issue. Hasn't you know, stayed healthy.
1: And You've got a choice of either, you know, ranking guys like that or do you rank a guy like, you know, I mean just to throw out a guy like Jose Benilla, who's a catching prospect for them who's not played full season ball yet. Okay. So, you know, he's a, he's a long ways away, but, you know, but at the same time, he's got he's got more upside, you know, right. than Bianchi. I mean, and with Bianchi at this point, what's the upside? You know, well, it's you know i mean it's that uh, he could maybe be you know probably a utility infielder right and it's hard a to a utility infielder who doesn't play shortstop well enough to really want you want to play him now if i had to re-rank it now post jason taylor drug suspension <laughs> right he probably would you know there's a very good chance he would be in the top 30 because i mean or the top 31 actually right. would be accurate right. but because that's what happened is is that you know basically i mean jason taylor went from being a uh, prospect who kind of regained, you know, regained some prospect status. To, yeah,
0: I'm, same as it ever was for Jason Taylor. Unfortunately, uh, I mean, and, and we should address. I mean, uh, Wilmington's ballpark is historically uh, one of the one of, if not the toughest park to hit in in the Carolina League. It's cold, uh, it's windy, but mostly it's cold early and it's cold late. And uh, Bianchi did have a basically an eight fifty OPS on the road, about five eighty nine at home. But the bigger issue for me, and I think we talked about him uh, when you were work on that list, uh, he doesn't control the strike zone and he doesn't play shortstop. And if you're comparing him to a guy like Kyle Martin, who is older and is behind him on the, player, on the depth chart in that organization, that's a guy who can play shortstop, at least solidly, uh, does have just as much power. I think he has as much offensive upside and he has a little bit better defensive profile because the Royals don't seem to recognize that as not but, our problem, really.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, you know, and with Martin – I mean, it's going to be a very big year for Martin. Martin's going to have to prove
0: this year that last
1: year, you know, what he did in limited time, and what he did in Hawaii wasn't uh, a nice fluke by a guy who was, you know, basically a little old for the league. That yeah. being said, you know, you're you're talking he has legit power. Right, right. And that's something you're looking for. You know? Absolutely. no, Absolutely. I mean, the funny thing is the profile of those two guys isn't as different as you would think. Right. but. The tide to me goes to Martin because Martin has done it like in Hawaii. You know, he's mm-hmm. done it a little bit more productively. Yep. And his tools, even though Bianchi is definitely a much higher profile guy, his tools may be a little bit better, actually. Yeah,
0: and Martin's, I think the separator is the power. Martin uh, slugged over 500 in the Midwest League and then tied for the league in the uh, Hawaii Winter Baseball in home runs.
1: And Flanagan is a guy a long ways away. Um, you know, really didn't come up a whole lot in uh, in doing the calls yeah. yet. I mean, he's, you know, we'll we'll see him hopefully this year, you know, hopefully this year in the Midwest League and kind of get a little better read on him. I mean, I don't want to just kind of dismiss him yet. But when I was doing, you know, when you're doing that sorting through, okay, you know, so what are the guys, you know, in the Appy League, where are the guys, you know, in their AZL team and all, he wasn't the first guy who was coming up. Right. And there are not a whole lot of guys are going to make a top 30.
0: But a good sleeper. I mean, a good sleeper to talk about. A good lefty with a projectable body. But uh, you know, top thirty. Even an organization like that, hard to rank a guy who doesn't have really loud stuff. Right, especially because um,
1: they got a couple guys, kind of you know, Carlos Fortuna, you know, guys like that who do have kind of loud stuff.
0: Right, and that's the thing that I think there's there's some interesting things going on with the with the Royals system, and there better be when you spend a record eleven million dollars in the oh, draft. And they're
1: going to have another high pick, you know. Again, I mean, by the time we're doing this, you know, next year, they very well could have Mustakis, Hosmer, and. You know, someone else. You know, yeah, exactly. Very uh, from and Aaron Crowe, maybe. Yeah. Who
0: knows? I mean, uh, the, the the Royals. We do have all of our early draft uh, content up at BaseballAmerica.com. The Royals picked 12th. Actually, I doubt Aaron Crow falls to 12, but um, very interesting off season for the Royals. I'm not sure there are a lot of people who are great fans of the moves they made. They've had a lot of spare parts, it seems, at considerable cost. Willie Bloomquist and, and Mike really, Jacobs, and those And kind what of guys. we're
1: talking about is, is like if they wanted to add those guys, would they have been better off waiting because the Willie Bloomquist of the world, if you hadn't signed them, are probably right now, you know, easily much easier to sign because
0: correct those guys are looking for jobs. Correct the mundo, but uh, I think the bigger the guy who's not looking for a job, very well signed up, is Alex Rodriguez. He's locked up for a while still. He's locked up for a while, and but he is as in the news as any baseball player really has been in a long time. JJ, for all the wrong reasons, a Sports Illustrated report over the weekend that Alex Rodriguez. Uh, failed a steroids test in 2003 when Major League Baseball players were survey tested. supposed to remain anonymous. 104 players tested positive. He's the only name that's come Actually, forward. Technically, I think he's one
1: of two because
0: I think okay. Bond's
1: name did also come out of that, also. Okay. Okay. I think you're right. Bond's name came out last week and it was just because everyone, yeah. there was no news to that. Oh, Correct. Barry Bonds tested positive for steroids, kind of basically. But
0: was Alex Rodriguez good. tests positive and today, uh, I guess it'll be on. Sports Center tonight, on Monday as we record this, uh, Rodriguez admits to Peter Gammons. Yes, he did it. Admits that he took it during his entire three-year tenure, basically, with the Texas Rangers. And J.J., uh, it, is, it is pretty sh- – I, I guess I shouldn't be shocked. I guess I'm really not shocked, but it's a bad day for baseball. When uh, the best player in the game – I think he's the, been the best player in the game – since Bonds left. If it's not him, it's, it's Albert Pujols. But a guy who's been in the discussion for best player in baseball for more than a decade uh, has this tied oh. to his name. It's pretty – it's a not a good day for the game. and Obviously, a pretty uh, brutal game for – a pretty brutal day for A-Rod and his carefully crafted image.
1: Go a step further. I mean, with really what you're talking about here beyond everything else is here's the guy, as much as even Bonds, maybe more so – Alex Rodriguez could have gone down, and I say could have because there's no way that this is ever going to be removed right. from right. his legacy. He could have gone down as if you know maybe the greatest player of all time. I mean, Absolutely. The guys that you would consider in that discussion.
0: The Ruths are, and the Mays and the Mantles and the Aaron. all are guys, kind of guys who are hitters right. who
1: play. You know, I mean, I know, don't take anything away from Ruth being also an outstanding pitcher. But, right. But so. All of them are corner outfielders. Right. Here's a guy, Here's who guy who's producing like that who's a shortstop third baseman.
0: He really is the best hitting infielder of all time. I mean, if you really think about it that way, I mean, I mean, who was it before him? Mike Schmidt as a power guy anyway? Um, uh, before the Thornsby? Yeah, I mean, and a guy who uh, – yeah, I mean, it's A-Rod, and no doubt. I mean, a guy who put up these kind of numbers playing shortstop. I mean, Cal Ripken, he's clearly better than Cal Ripken. So, but now you have – and it's amazing, uh, uh, this admission uh, – Putting it on – well, there's so many angles you could go with this from. First, uh, A-Rod saying that uh, uh, that this is kind of responding to the pressure, basically, of his contract. It's another, in my mind, uh, a weapon you could use or a criticism, I think. I think a lot of people come out looking bad in this. A-Rod, first of all. Yeah. The union – second of all, comes out looking worse and worse and worse in every steroid part of it. And Bob Costas, or I was like to call him Bob Costas, made this point on MLB Network that a lot of Scott Boris' clients have tested positive here. And this is not looking great for Boris in my mind either. But I think I, I think, maybe I the think, biggest hit might just go to the union, JJ. I,
1: I think the biggest hit is union. I think Boris comes out of this not, you know, he can – I mean, I don't think we'll get a comment out of Scott Boris out of this, you know, but he can very – Much kind of say, you know, well, look, this is, you know, I don't, I'm not there every day as, you know, players train and all that. But with the Union, now, I think Orza came out today, you know, right before I came in here, I think I saw a link that said that, you know, he was denying that he tipped off, you know, players. But, I mean, that story, like, his initial response on that, not good. You know, his initial response of, I don't want to talk about this. Well, that's not really something that, you know, that's not... The PR world, you know, if, if you got a PR person in your uh, you know, in your ear, that's not what they're going to tell you to say. Oh, I don't want to talk about this. But it just comes off now. I mean, really, for and I mean, the I hate to say it, but the big loser overall again is baseball.
0: Yeah, no doubt. That's because the biggest problem.
1: What happens with A Rod getting this? You know, we won't talk about A Rod too much here on this, you know, because y'all are getting, you know, yeah, you're you're getting A Rod, you know, talking right. everywhere. But who's, I mean, basically, what it seems like to me is, is this is the one that now just says, okay, you just assume everyone was using.
0: Yeah, pretty much. You know, the guys who come out looking better in this, I actually talked about this. I had the opportunity last night to interview a couple of uh, big ex-big league pitchers who are helping the Southern University baseball program, Lee Smith and Dave Stewart. And, uh, you know, whenever I talked to Stu, and I've done this a couple times because uh, of his involvement with uh, with Coach Kator down at Southern, I always talk to him about Roger Clemens. But I asked both those guys last night in the midst of all this, who who comes out looking better to them? You know, they both actually said, you know, Jim Rice comes out looking better, you know. Whether he had Hall of Fame numbers or not is you know, they both think of him as a Hall of Fame player, but he did three hundred eighty nine clean, you know, three hundred and eighty nine home runs clean. Dale Murphy comes out looking better. Andre Dawson comes out looking better. From the contemporaries of Alex Rodriguez, how about Ken Griffey Jr.? How much better is Ken Griffey Jr.'s career. He hit 600 legit home runs. But I, I really hate, don't think he's under suspense, I hate suspicion. To say, he's not under is
1: suspicion, he? but A-Rod wasn't really under suspicion. I know Canseco had fingered him, but but he was really yeah, not I under think that's suspicion. The
0: difference, to the day. I mean, Jr.'s body, he had opportunity after opportunity to use. He talked to Barry Bonds. He was on ground level with Barry Bonds. That's supposedly the conversation where Barry Bonds told Jr., you know, screw this. I'm doing it. I'm using him like those guys. And Griffey did not. Griffey, uh his body broke down repeatedly with all the injuries that he had. I think if he had used, I think he could use the Andy Pettit defense and say, well, I used to recover from injuries, and people would have almost forgiven him. I do think Junior comes out looking a lot better uh, in retrospect. A guy who's not necessarily a a self-promoter, does not carefully craft his image like A-Rod, has endured a lot of criticism in his second part of his career in Cincinnati. I
1: don't disagree with you, but the one thing I just have to say is is at this point, I'm just not – able to say, I'm not comfortable saying,
0: I mean... How about Greg Maddox? That's another guy that that, came up that Dave Stewart brought up to me as a guy who, Greg Maddox dominated in an offensive era, and if you ever saw Greg Maddox without his clothes on, you know he didn't use.
1: Right. The, the, the guys I was jokingly saying is Maddox, Jamie Moyer, because if you use steroids, you'd hope you get your fastball That's over right. 80. That's right. And David Wells. So there's only three guys I could think of that I would say confidently. I think
0: David Wells probably used some banned substances, it's just been, not steroids. But, but
1: the thing about David <laughs> Wells is, is that if you aren't taking good you know enough that? care to not get gout, you're <laughs> not. Taking performance enhancing drugs because you're really not worried about your performance.
0: Do steroids get rid of gout, or do they produce gout? I, I, I haven't thought know. about that. Or HGH? He might have had the, that. Might have been the human growth he had. It wasn't really gout. It was some other part of his body you know, growing. But, but
1: that's. I mean, but it is. It's <laughs> just. It is a sad. I mean, it's a sad day. I am glad to see that A Rod came out right away, and did not choose the Roger Clemens route of you know basically.
0: He's had a bad off season. Though. A, a,
1: a two year story or whatever. The thing that he did today, by admitting it at least, it's always going to be there. It's always going to be tied to him. But at least when he goes to spring training, the questions will be, how is he handling right. this now? Instead of being every day, so did you use.
0: No, I agree. I think there's some other uh, guys who come out. and uh, Just from the Baseball America's pers- perspective, how about the uh, University of Miami baseball program? I believe this past weekend they just dedicated Alex Rodriguez Stadium at Mark Lightfield. Their, their improvements to Mark Lightfield, uh, a lot of them paid for by A-Rod. Now, that's not looking so hot for the University of Miami. I mean, I'm just saying there's a lot of – there are repercussions for this everywhere. You have his high school coach, Rich Hoffman, on ESPN uh, defending A-Rod. You know, I, th- I, I was talking about this at lunch today with some of the coaches at North Carolina State. Um, we had lunch, and it's like, uh, you know, you never saw that for Roger Clemens. You never saw – and the thing is, that they didn't want to. I'm not saying that they wouldn't have. I think if they'd asked Wayne Graham, who coached Roger either one year or two years at San Jack, uh, San Jacinto Junior College, or if they'd asked uh, Wayne to talk about Andy Pettit, I think Wayne would have spoken up for both those guys the same way Rich Hoffman did. I do think there's it tells you A-Rod's PR acumen that he helped. I think he probably had some people get Rich Hoffman out front for him. I think there's going to be an A-Rod counter-offensive, but how effective can it really be? The, it might help A-Rod's image a little bit. Baseball's image is going to take the bigger the bigger hit, I think.
1: The winner that I'll say out of this weekend, besides give SI, you know, SI Sports Illustrated, you know, Selena Roberts, and I've right. uh, forgotten the name of the report. I feel bad to say right. that. Right, but, but
0: MLB Network. But MLB
1: Network, this was the first big test for MLB Network, which I, I, I think, you know, as a baseball fan, you know, speaking to, on the podcast to other baseball fans, yep. The idea of a twenty-four hour a day, seven day a week network about just, baseball is—we're we're all thumbs up we're for just, that. We're just
0: sorry wasn't it wasn't. We didn't have the money to implement that idea first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that
1: being said, this was a big test for them because there was two ways they could have gone. They could have gone the approach of, hey, you know. They could have even just basically not even blown it off, but run the crawl around the bottom that says they ran a bit steroids, and we're now continue with our regularly, you know, schedule. Right. Here's another program. twenty
0: twenty strikeout game from days of yore and right. yesteryear.
1: They could have done that. Instead, they went wall to wall coverage, and really, I thought had the you know had outstanding coverage on Saturday. It
0: certainly helped to have a guy like Bob Costas around to be the face kind of, of that coverage. They've obviously employed guys like Tom Verducci. It's not just former players. They have really good reporters who are helping They had
1: many different perspectives, but to see them cover it extensively, the thing it showed was, and we'll have to keep seeing that this continues, but they weren't the house organ on Saturday. They weren't looking at this from the prism of, well, this is bad for baseball, so let's underplay it. They looked at it from the prism journalistically of this is the big story. This is more important than us showing another Randy Johnson 20 strikeout game. Which is
0: encouraging in this day and age that someone did
1: that actually. Right. They covered it, you know, because and that's smart because in the long run, we're not you know, it's the average viewer is not watching and going, hey, is this doing good for baseball? What they're looking at is is this better than ESPN, which is my other choice to watch on this?
0: Yeah, pretty much. And uh, I think the consensus is that it was. So it was a it was a difficult weekend for baseball. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Alex Rodriguez is too big, too high profile of a guy for this to not be the dominant story, and it's probably going to be the dominant story. Uh, I'm, I'm sure this will be a bigger deal than the World Baseball Classic in a couple of weeks. And uh, for me, I was very glad uh, going over to NC State today. And being in their coaches' offices and seeing their field on a sixty five degree day like we're having in North Carolina. I know I was wishing there was college baseball to go out there and see.
1: The great news is is that there will be actual games soon. This story's bad. But you know what? Pitchers and catchers are gonna report real soon.
0: Yep. And there'll be college baseball, there'll be a world baseball classic.
1: And we've got enough high profile guys out there. There's interesting stories on you know, more related to on the field that are gonna be going on like Manny Ramirez hadn't signed. That's right. That's
0: fascinating. Adam Dunn has not signed. Bobby
1: Abreu has not signed. I mean, there are players Orlando out Hudson there. Orlando Hudson hasn't signed. There are players out there who, if your team signs them, you would say, hey, this helps us win this year. Yep. Not yep. Usually at this point it's like, hey, we signed a guy who could, you know, if things break right, be a fifth starter.
0: It's been a pretty unusual offseason in baseball. There's absolutely no doubt. Uh, from A-Rod and Madonna to A-Rod, A-Rod and the steroids to everything in between to uh, the free agents, the, the Manny saga. Uh, it's been an un- unusual offseason. We obviously fill a lot of it with prospect talk. We're looking forward to getting getting down to talking about actual games that matter on the college side, games that matter in the World Baseball Classic, and then, of course, the minor league season and the major league season coming up. But uh – uh I do think that there's no doubt that A-Rod's, A-Rod's story being the end of the offseason, the pitchers and catchers can't report soon enough. So I would agree. So uh, send those emails in, podcast at baseballamerica.com. We thank you for the questions that we already got and we read today. And for J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel. Thanks for the longish podcast. We'll see you next week here at baseballamerica.com. Until then, so long, everybody.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.